everyone. Welcome back to the Artist Care and Feeding Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Caitlin Barrett, and with me is my co-host, Kathleen Falsani. Yo, yo. And the silent man of mystery who was our producer, Mark. Yes, <laughs> silent. Uh, our guest today is a good friend of mine, Mickey Weiner, who is a dancer and a voice actor, and she has a really exciting new business that you're going to get to hear all about. So please welcome my friend, Mickey. Hi. How are you? It's so good to see your face. I'm good. It's good to see yours, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to remember the last time that I saw you, and I feel like it was maybe Christmas at Joel's house when you were it was either, swinging Phantom. Yeah, um, I think actually, though... Um, when I came to see Les Mis in Philly, um, and uh, Steve was on yes. for Valjean, yep, I think I saw you briefly. For Valjean. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that actually brings us to our in opening question, which is, yeah. artistically speaking, how do you describe yourself? Oh, that's a deep question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I know. That's why we like it. Tense fingers. <laughs> you like just just diving right in. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, geez. Um, I mean, I think my nature is incredibly creative. Um, I, oh, geez, that's such a hard question. Um yeah, I think that's what drives me, honestly. Um, I think that I need uh, some creative outlet, some form of artistry in my life. And it's interesting because, like, with the pandemic and everything going on, um, I was actually healing an injury uh, before the pandemic began and wasn't quite back on my feet when this all started. And so I found myself, you know, having, like, other creative outlets during that time um and it's interesting because then since we haven't been able to dance or be on stage um I'm like really diving into all of these other things um so I don't know Uh, I think for me just my artistry is like any form of creativity that sort of drives me um right that is that basically is available to you yeah yeah but it's important. Yeah. Like without it, I, I feel myself kind of, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I think I'd be okay, you know, if I didn't have these things in my life. But I think those are just those moments where we tend to take them for granted, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realize often that when those things are taken away, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't feel fully complete. So it's, yeah, it's definitely a driver for right. me. So your your background originally was in ballet, is that correct? Yeah. Your yeah. first your first So how did you and I the reason the way that I did it of course is that we toured together on um Phantom of the Opera, the yeah. spectacular new <laughs> production. Um but you've actually been with Phantom for quite some time even before that and since we both have left that tour tour. Is that correct? That's what I remember. Yeah, well I well so my my journey with Phantom began with the original cast of the Spectacular New Tour. Um, oh, okay. And when yeah. was that? Uh, so that was no... Well, uh, we started rehearsals, I want to say... I'm jumping around, but I want to say actually the audition for it was like summer of 20... Oh, wow. 20... Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we yeah. 
we, um, or was it 2013? I don't know how to tell time. <laughs> 14, I think, is when the tour started. So the audition okay. very well could have been the year before. No, it was, it, it was, was 2013, 2013 then. Yeah, so we started rehearsals in New York City um, in October of 2013. Um, and we hit the road in November of 2013. And mm-hmm. I was full-time with the tour uh as a as one of the ballerinas mm-hmm. with an onstage ensemble track um, for about two and a half years. And I left the tour because I, I was just sort of craving some more artistic growth and had some opportunities back mm-hmm. in New York and wanted to take them. And it's funny, little side story, I was <laughs> doing a show, I was doing a residency upstate in upstate New York, and I was sitting in the dressing room with some of the other company members um, uh, performing with a dance company that I've been affiliated with for a really long time, the Chase Brock mm. Experience. And a lot of the uh, company members also dabble in music theater and concert dance. And, you know, we all kind of cross over. And one of the other uh, company members had just come back from the Matilda tour. And we were talking about life on the road mm. and being back in New York mm-hmm. and how, you know, we needed to come off the road for a little while, but we would go back to tour in a heartbeat. Mm. And we're literally having this conversation. And I was like, yeah, I would totally go back if they ever called me. And I kid you not, my phone rings and it's my agent. And he's like, Careful what you wish for. (laughs) I know. He's like, hey, what are you doing uh, next weekend? Or this weekend, maybe even. Uh, And I was like, "Uh, I don't know. Our show here's closing. And he's like, do you want to go to Denver? And I was like, "Uh, sure. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, so the Phantom (laughs) Tour needs you. Um, oh wow! <laughs> so yeah, so right? that was actually the start because it's... of. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like that was then the start of what led to me uh, vacation swinging and ultimately learning like all six dancer tracks and spending the rest of the tour uh, basically going in and out um, and filling in for people when they were sick or injured or on vacation. Right. I was going to say that Phantom is definitely one of those families that once you're in, you're never really mm. out. Like yeah, totally. you, you will get called, you'll get called back You'll because it's such a long running production. And there are so many people that have done some version of it somewhere in the world that anytime they have people quit or get injured or someone gets pregnant and has to leave there, there's like a group of people that can come in at a really like a moment's notice yeah, if they're available totally. because they know the show well enough to just step into any given role. So yeah. it is one of the, I think it's one of the ways that it's actually maintained its status of running as hmm. long as it has, is that it has that like huge bank of people that have kept you to do it over so many years of which of course you're one yeah. of them. And it was, you know, it I was, feel, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. I think there's I a little delay. So I don't mean there. to like jump on you on you at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> May mayhaps. Um, no, it was really great for me because I, I loved the show and I loved being a part of it, you know? And it's it is this weird thing because I don't think, you know, n- most people I don't think get into the arts for stability's sake, you know, and I think as <laughs> right. an artist there there is often that desire to continue to grow and to do new things. And so for me, it was cool because after, you know, doing the same show eight times a week for two and a half years, um, I was in this really cool position where I got to go back to New York and do other mm. projects um, right. and then come back and see my friends do this show that I loved right. so much and 
So that was that. It was really cool. It, can yeah. I ask you both? Is that unusual for touring companies to have that kind of deep bench and people come back years later or when there's a need, or is that something particular to Phantom? I, I, I mean, in my experience, it has happened on several shows, but they are almost always shows with a long hmm. running, like that have run for quite some time. So it didn't. Yeah. Ha- it hasn't happened with with tours I've done that have only run a year or two, but it has happened with Les Mis. It's happened with Phantom. Mm. It's happened with South mm. Pacific. So it's happened with shows that have, uh, like you said, a deep bench. They've they've had a lot of different people working on them in various different yeah, places. That's cool. So yeah, mm. and I have friends who uh, were affiliated with the Wicked tour and Wicked Broadway, and sort of uh, same deal. But oh, again, right. another yep, long running show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So for anyone out there who wants to get into the business, <laughs> this is definitely something to know about the business that once you're in a show company, you have a potential of having a long career with it if that is something that you want and if you can maintain the discipline to really continue <laughs> to do it also. Yeah. Because Phantom's not an easy, I mean, it's not an easy show to do in any capacity at all. No, and it's interesting because I, you know, it's, I always found it so interesting, you know, when you talk to people and, you know, they're sort of amazed at what you do for a living mm. and, uh, you know, they're like, wow, you do it eight times a week. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> um, and you're kind of like, yeah, but, you know, it, it it's my job. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the schedule and um, it is, you know, that's, that's just the reality of it. But, but there is that sort of reckoning that you have to do with your own self again with like how do you continue to grow as an artist versus you know ultimately you're you're doing the same thing how do you make it fun for mm. you how do you breathe new life into it and mm-hmm. um you know it's so interesting for me too cuz when i was full time with the show i always you know for me personally tried to maintain my own integrity with what i brought to the show every night but it was also mm-hmm. such an interesting experience coming back to it when i was vacation swinging mm. Because I always was just so excited to be there. Um, And again, it's like you do things for a long time and there's always that risk of taking things a little bit for granted. And and so coming back to the show. Yeah, and getting tired too. Yeah, totally, totally. (laughs) Yeah, which is I think, again, it's a hard thing for people to understand when they want to be in this business so desperately Mm. and they don't, they aren't. It's so hard to understand that you can have a job that looks so amazing and be so, be so tired. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's hard work. It is. Like eight shows a week is no joke. So it totally respect is. And especially, to everyone out there. Yeah. Like when you've got a headache or, mm. you know, you're feeling a little under or whatever it is, it's like you still have to find a way to to manage that through the next, you know, two and a half hours, which, you know, I know for other, you know, it's like, oh, well, you're only working for two and a half hours. And it's like, well, yeah, Mm. but those are, (laughs) those are some high energy two and a half hours. And then there's the prep before it and the prep that you have to do on a daily basis so that your body is taken care of so that you can get through those two and a half hours on stage every night. 
So I'm yeah. exhausted <laughs> just thinking about that, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, I can't imagine dancing at <laughs> full throttle for two and a half hours every day. That's God bless you. That's amazing to me. It's like people who yeah, can paint. Well, we do get some- I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's always an amazement with things that you're, you right, can't do. Precisely. You know? So yeah. you said swing, vacation swing? Mm. And I think I know mm-hmm. what that means. But for those of the lay people at home, does that mean you come in and fill in for whoever's out that day? Is it for a stretch of time? Or how does that work? Yeah, so... So there are, I mean, there are swings who are with the tour full time Mm -hmm. and they're, you know, traveling with them every night. Um, And vacation swing, you know, the delineation of the vacation swing is sort of saying specifically that, yeah, I just come in for certain, you know, when I'm, when I'm asked to join for like a specific week or what, whatnot. But yeah, swinging basically just means that you're, you know, you're able to swing into Mm -hmm. a, a variety of different tracks. So like, for example, with Phantom... There are six ballerinas uh, on stage every night, and they have a lot of similarities to what they do mm-hmm. in the show every night. But, you know, there's differences in where they stand and formations, um, little bits they might mm-hmm. have, different crossings. different mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're swinging the show, you're responsible to know all of those six wow. different tracks. Um, and actually what was really crazy— about vacation swinging was, and I always got a kick out of this, was um, I, it was sort of my job to just maintain the knowledge in my head. And I had tons of notes and stuff like that. Um, and I'd been put in rehearsals to learn all those mm. tracks. But once I had learned them, like that was that. So they would call me and say, hey, can you come out next week or next month or whatever it was? And I would get on a plane and show up to whatever city and get to the theater, put on my costume, whatever, and just like go on stage and do a track wow. that maybe I hadn't done in like four wow. months. I hadn't seen the show in a while. You know, sometimes there were new cast members. So it was wow. just like I'd be on stage <laughs> meeting someone for the first time in the middle of the show. <laughs> like that, I always kind of got a kick out of that. That's astounding. Is it muscle memory? Yeah. Is it more than that? That's That's incredible. It is. It's it's a lot of muscle memory um, and reviewing of mm. notes. You know, I think with swinging, the biggest thing was, you know, sometimes you would get, they call it swing brain, but like, <laughs> which wing do I exit? You know, this like very quick moment where you're yep. like, oh God, <laughs> where am I going? Um, and actually there was one, <laughs> there was one time where I exited on the wrong side of the stage and then I had maybe like 15 seconds to make an entrance back on the other side of the stage (laughs) so I was like (laughs) did a mad dash uh, behind uh, behind you know in in the crossover through the Um, crossover I was like out of my way I'm so sorry please move please move I've got to get back on stage so (laughs) yeah that that was always uh, an entertaining thing on tour also when you see swings go on for the first time (laughs) in certain tracks and they there's a there's a, there's an expression that they use, which is shove with love because yeah. people, people will be on stage in not quite the right. And so people on stage will sort of manipulate them a little bit and be like, no, 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 over here is smidge or, or even give them direction. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah you're going to follow me off because there are yeah. so many little wow. variations to all the tracks. So, so until you've done them, until you've done them probably often, 
it is sometimes yeah. difficult to keep all those little details straight. Mm-hmm. And even as even as the vacation swing, um, since I wasn't there on a daily basis, you know, rehearsals would be held, the creatives would come in, um, and I, you know, I wasn't there. Um, and so sometimes things would change. change. There'd be little adjustments that I just wasn't around to know mm. about. Um, so it, you know, if and when that would happen, it was like, Sometimes I would get those changes ahead of time and be in the loop, and sometimes it would take a show to be like, "Oh, okay, right. This is the information." Right. Um, so, but yeah, shoving with love is shove with you know, love. as long as it's done <laughs> with love. Shove with uh, love. I think it's something, yeah, that you're sort of like grateful for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like that could be sort of a yeah. life yeah. motto for me: shove with love. Get out of my shove way. Shove with love. Love you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's funny too because in my experience, watching cast change up on stage, either with understudies or with swings can sometimes bring a lot of new life to the performance Mm. too because everyone has to be a little bit more on their toes than they have been. You can get a little complacent when you're up there. Yeah, And you've done, you know, 175 shows and they've all been exactly the (laughs) same-ish. So when you have someone else all of a sudden that you're looking at, you even backstage in the wings, I can feel the brighter energy on stage (laughs) as everyone's a little more present. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Having, yeah. So that actually um, brings me in certain ways to both what you were doing before, because you said that you had been injured. Mm-hmm. So were you mm-hmm. injured doing something related to Phantom or were you injured in the course of a different sort of dance project? Uh, so... <laughs> Um, I was actually doing a different show, um, but that's not where the in- the the injury was. Uh, I think a long brewing, mm. a, like probably mm. years brewing um, right. casualty of being a professional dancer, um, and it just happened to it actually manifested after I finished a show. Um, but yeah, I was actually in Northern California. Mm. Uh, doing a, a Christmas show or a holiday show, I should say. Um, we had Hanukkah representing <laughs> as well, um, <laughs> but, uh, which was good for me because that's what I celebrate. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was doing a holiday show, which was really great and really fun, and and with a lot of people from New York, um, with a theater company called Transcendence, which is really mm. fantastic, and. Um, so I was doing that show with them, um, and that show closed, and I had I actually had a little bit of time off before I was supposed to uh, start a new gig, um, and uh, and yeah, it was like I I it was almost like my body knew that I had closed the show and yeah and could take a break. You know, it was like yeah. intuitively, it was like, oh, okay, you don't have any more physical obligations for a little while. Cool, we're gonna um, we're Just gonna like say a hey. Little. hey. Yeah, there's a problem here. So, mm. yeah, yeah. So, um, it was an issue with my hip, mm. um, which again, ultimately, the you know, it was a little Repetitive. label tear, which is actually, mm. yeah, really common for dancers. Um, and they were like, you know, you've probably had this tear for years. Mm. Um, it's probably just taken, you know, certain things um, that are actually more you know, your your musculature getting kind of aggravated from protecting this mm. tear for right. a long time. Right. So, yeah, so that was sort of, it was weird because I finished the show 
and, you know, was cool. And then all of a sudden my hips started acting up and I was like, okay, well, that's fine because I've, I've got a little bit of a break. Right. Um, I had this weird, awkward, like, month and a half before um, I had or would have gig. had mm-hmm. <laughs> my next gig. I had two gigs lined up. Um, and then the pandemic happened. Mm. <laughs> so what was right. what was weird too it was seeing in the early days of the pandemic, especially being in New York City, seeing the just the conversation surrounding those gigs would they happen would they not happen what were they going to look like because you know none of us really knew what was Mm -mm. going on yeah and it wasn't like everything Um, just shut down entirely all at once it really was like a rolling rolling wave for sure some things got delayed other things were immediately canceled tours were still out and then dates started getting canceled so it was like this whole like several week process of a gradual shutdown yeah, and, and yep. yeah, and there was this. Um, I was supposed to be setting a a piece, um, for the school at Steps, and Steps is one of the like big dance schools, uh, for students and professionals alike in mm-hmm. New York City. And the the school, the professional division of the school, they were doing a piece that was choreographed by Chase Brock, who's uh, a choreographer who I've worked with for a very long time right. and danced for his company for a long time. And so I was setting a piece, uh, one of his pieces on the, the school at Steps. And that whole experience was just so interesting because, yeah, there were all these negotiations of like, okay, well, we think we're going to just push y- the dates back. Mm-hmm. Okay, we think we could, you know, change the schedule and condense it. Okay, we think we could do it if, you know, it was like all this new information was flowing yes. in. And right. like you said, it, you know, it was like things were sort of dom. It was like a domino effect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, and even once it got canceled, it was like, okay, well, we'll probably, you know, we'll be closed for a few weeks and we'll reevaluate and and then we'll do it. Right. Um, it was, there were all these conversations about it continuing. And even I had a few other gigs lined up and it was sort of the same mm-hmm. thing. Right. Um, I don't think there was any you know, <laughs> knowledge that here we'd be no, like jeepers. six, seven months For later. Sure. And no. Uh-uh. Yeah. It seemed to be the way with all kind <clears throat> of public event, performance events, concerts, mm-hmm. plays, whatever, yep. that they didn't want to just go, yeah, we should just cancel this. It was pushed and pushed and pushed and then moved and then like next year, hopefully. But right. there, it felt like it happened yeah. over about six weeks that, slow yeah, dominoes. And it, it led to like this really weird, which I think is continuing in the live in in theater. Mm-hmm. I mean, amongst my theater friends for sure. This very strange feeling of being in suspended animation. Yes. Where you're just waiting. Yeah. Cause you are feeling that at any moment this is gonna correct, this is gonna course correct and your show's going to come back online and you're going to be called up to like go back to work and there was a long period of time where people were like oh I'm off for another two weeks oh I'm off for another month oh I think it's going to be the beginning of the fall now we hear maybe November and that's still happening in a large percentage of the companies of people that I know but it it has really led in, in my experience, to a very weird instability because you can't plan. Totally. 
Yeah. You just can't yeah. make plans. And for me, I think what's been so weird about it is that for a while, it all just, I mean, it still seems surreal, mm. but I i had gone into, I think, sort of this like weird place, you know, of, of mourning mm-hmm. or something with it. Yeah. Like I mm-hmm. had just sort of, I realized this actually very recently, maybe like two weeks ago. Um, I had this epiphany that I hadn't really, I was, I was going around acting kind of actually to what we were talking, your very first question. Um, but I was, you know, going around on a daily basis acting like I wasn't really missing hmm. theater or dance in my life. Right. Like it, right. it wasn't this big deal. I didn't, you know, I was doing other things artistically. It they were and are, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. you know, satisfying me. And, you know, I am also as a dancer, as a professional dancer, in a bit of a transitional place just based on my age and stuff like that. And um, so, you know, exploring other ways that I, I can stay in the industry, like as a rehearsal director, mm-hmm. associate choreographer, stuff like that. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it was so odd. And I thought about it before, like, I don't really miss this. Or so mm-hmm. I thought, <laughs> you know, and it, but it's so weird because it was literally about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I was watching something on YouTube. I was watching some theater stuff on YouTube and like out of nowhere, it just hit me mm-hmm. like, yeah, wow. And I started crying yeah. and I, it was like the floodgates just opened of emotions of right. where I hadn't even really realized how much I missed this thing. Right. Um, I had, yeah, I'd just been living in this, like, suspended bubble of, I don't know, some alternate reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and mourning your career that you've spent your entire life building also that has been taken away from you due to nothing that you've done. Right. 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 I think everybody's moving through those stages of grief. I mean, what you just described, Mm. Mickey, are stages of grief. You know, there's the bargaining and the denial, and then suddenly you're like, oh my God. And that it just hits you like a wave as grief, any kind of grief does. You know, it comes, sneaks up on you. Yeah. 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 It was just, you know, in in a way, I was sort of relieved, uh, you know, as odd as that may sound, just because I was like, okay, (laughs) like you do still have this deep connection with this thing you've loved your whole life. You know, like you didn't suddenly. You weren't suddenly told you can't do it and you don't know when you'll be able to do it again. And you were like, okay, cool. No problem. Um, <laughs> Moving know, on. Like, yeah. do to do Right, right. <laughs> right. That right. it was very much sort of, I think, you know, my, my brain having to, yeah, have some denial mm. so that I could cope with the actual reality in For front of sure. me. Because it yes. is scary. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yeah. And you have, but you do have a new project that you're working on. Correct? I do. I do. (laughs) I feel like you should tell us all about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So funny enough, the seed for this project happened during my phantom years, like early on in my phantom years. Um, And so it's sort of an idea that I've been living with for a really long time in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of organically come to pass. Um, And I keep saying, (laughs) I should stop saying this, but I keep saying that this is either going to be like the coolest and most exciting thing I've ever done with my life or the stupidest (laughs) and only time will tell. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly how it works. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
But basically, I am I'm working to launch an ethical and sustainable lingerie line. Um, and of course, it would be <laughs> right, right, because you know, sense. yes, that's <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> totally. It's a very straight line you know. between uh-huh, ballet exactly. and lingerie. <laughs> oh, they rhyme. Yeah, so how, yeah. No, so, so what was the seed? <laughs> yeah, what was the seed that was planted? Like how, and in your, yeah, in this particular so, sense, you actually mean that literally since you're using seeds to dye your oh lingerie. Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. But yes, correct. Um, yeah, so I've always loved... Uh, bra and panty sets like they've always just made me it's always been a thing for me that has felt really special um not about whether anyone sees it um Mm -hmm. you know just something for me that I can put on and makes me like it's like this little secret Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you don't know what I have on underneath (laughs) yeah and you know might make me feel you know like a am I like a badass I don't know if I'm allowed to say that but um Absolutely. Yeah, you can bleep it out no. Um, no. This is a swear-friendly zone. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no. Great. Oh, oh, fantastic. I wanted to earlier, like, three times. And I oh, was like, yes, no, no. No editing. No, mm-hmm. no. Oh, oh fantastic. Put the Say all the things. Perf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, had I only known sooner. Um, we should, we'll make that PSA next time. We'll be like, please great. don't edit yourself. Please feel free to swear. <laughs> Cuss. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, um, I, you know, that's always been something for me that's felt fun and feminine. And, uh, and so a long time ago, I, uh, so I've, I've spent many years experimenting. I feel like I don't really have skills as a, a real artist or anything like that, but I like to play with colors. Um, We're going to get true. back, back yeah, to I that. Know. Thoughts like, on that. But go ahead. <laughs> Red card. <Okay. laughs> yeah. Flag on the plate. <laughs> All right. Um, but no, I, you know, whether it's paints or, or different types of paints from mm-hmm. like acrylics to alcohol inks or whatever, like I've always really loved playing with mm-hmm. colors and the, the mixing of colors and mm-hmm. Um, sort of like the alchemy um, mm. of colors and stuff like that. And um, I I had started dyeing stuff. Um, I'd started, so marbling, I feel like this is going to turn into way too long of a nope. story, but so I'll try to no, be succinct. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so I had started marbling and I, I thought marbling was a cool concept. This goes back like, you know, seven years ago. And that was the, the um, tennis shoe line that you did, yep. right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Slightly failed, but great idea. Um, yes. But, like um, hand-painted yeah, so I was, Converse? Hand-painted mm-hmm. Converse? Is yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. Wow. You got it. Yes. You got it. Yeah. Ooh. I remember that. But it was really— Yeah. But, yeah, so this— this whole idea excites me of like taking a sort of traditional technique and mm-hmm. kind of messing with it a little mm-hmm. bit. And so it's like marbling is traditionally used for, for paper mm-hmm. um, and it has very sort of specific and they're beautiful patterns. Right. Um, and I don't know, one day I had this idea. I was like, what if I could marble some sneakers? Like I'd seen s- some blank mm-hmm. uh, white oh. canvas sneakers at Blick, the art store, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and I was like, huh. And I actually needed a present for a friend of mine Perfect. who's super into color. And I was like, I'm going to try to marble these. I think it could work. I don't see any reason why it couldn't work. And I I did it. And I was like, oh, these look, these look good. Um, and so I was, I was doing that for a while. And then 
that sort of morphed into, and I sold a few pairs, and ultimately it was kind of hard because they were so one of a kind and unique, and you're dealing with sizes and mm-hmm. color combinations, yeah. mm-hmm. and you know, custom orders um, and such. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I put it up on Etsy, but it was like no one was going to Etsy to look for hand marbled Converse, you know, <laughs> right. like no one, <laughs> no one was like, "Hey, this is what I need. Where can I you find?" Never this? know. Um, what that's is true. Mar- you do never the process of marbling. So, I'm trying to picture so this doing, in my head. What does marbling look like? I was actually going to ask. Yeah, that so you you basically, it's really cool. So you you um, come you mix up. Uh, you know, like water, and um, I forget. My brain is isn't there an me oil? Right now, but yeah, you, something there's that makes an it oil separate. substance there's, or something because it floats. That's well, the paint, the yes, paint, that's the what paint. floats. Yeah. So you basically create this like water-based substance uh-huh. that paint can float on top of. Oh yeah. And so then, if you have, if you get the paint light enough if you use either specific paints or you can use acrylics and just dilute them um the paint can float on top of this sort of like gel-like substance that you've created Uh um and then once the paint is floating on there you can take um i mean you can even use like a chopstick or something or a comb Mm -hmm. but you can take the paints and drag them along Right. And make, make different up. patterns and pull yeah. the colors together. I got it now. Yeah. I can see it in my head now. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so when you're Swirly. looking at like the yep. tra- exactly when you're looking at like the traditional form of marbling, um, you'll see like swirls, peacock feathers, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, herringbones, yeah. stuff like right. that. Um, yeah. So so yeah. So I was doing that for a while, and then. I started uh, messing around. I was like, well, what if I took, like, tie-dye? But, and this is actually, I feel like tie-dye is, like, really trendy right now. This is a little bit before it was trendy. Um, But I was like, what if I took tie-dye and kind of, like, messed that up a little bit? You know, like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't the sort of traditional tie-dye patterns, but, like, muted colors. Mm. Or, like, incorporate uh, marbling, kind of. So, like, in a different sort of. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Clever. Um, Or, like... What if we took, like, the idea of tie-dye, but sort of, like, Jackson Pollocked it Ooh. up, you know? Mm-hmm. like. And so Mark, I, was, I was doing Mark that. Mark got very interested right there. <laughs> Jackson Pollocking it up. Yes, yes. He takes notes for, like, so, the good money quotes. That was one. <laughs> oh, score. Um, yeah, so I, so I was doing that, and I was doing it on, like, baby onesies and scarves yes. and giving it, as as presents, I had a lot of still do have a lot of friends that were having babies. So, um, and then I stumbled onto a natural dye class, hmm. um, and and I was like, huh, this looks interesting. And and so then to kind of like backtrack a, a bit, on the flip side of things, I've always been a bit of an environmentalist hmm. and concerned about the environment, but in the past. Uh, I don't know, five, six years, I feel like my journey with that has grown and my concern for the planet has grown and me being conscious of my daily choices. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, you know, just become a, more aware of things. I've, you know, and actually being on the Phantom Tour, um, there were some amazing environmentalists. One of our Christine's... Yes, was composting. Um, was... Right? 
Yes. yes. And she had the whole tour composting. And it was arduous, really, yeah, too. Really cool. Yeah, it was a tremendous yeah. amount of work to yeah. try to figure that out in every different city that the tour yep. was going through. I remember yeah. hearing about that. Yeah. 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 And she, she was amazing and just undertaking that. And, um, and so that was something I'd been aware of. And, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, what first drew me to natural dyes was just how beautiful they looked. <laughs> but yeah. after taking a class, I was like, huh, this is is sort of, you know, taking different versions of these techniques that I've already started to play around with. And it's it's allowing me to play in the same way with colors, and but in a way that aligns with the bigger picture of the way I'm trying to live my life. Um, And so I I was like very excited by this and and wanted to learn more about natural dyes. And and then I was trying to think of ways that I could, you know, start naturally dyeing. And a silk scarf was sort of like the obvious choice, Mm. but I don't wear scarves. Um, And I was like, well, I can make beautiful scarves and sell it for other people, but it doesn't... I'm not going to be wearing them. And like, what can right. I do for me that's going right. to excite right. me? And many, many years ago, uh, back on Phantom, um, I had spent, you know, probably I feel like you go on these tangents in cities <laughs> where, you know, it's like late at night, you're on the internet looking at <laughs> different things or whatever. Uh-huh. I don't know. Every week. And so it was like one city. <laughs> it was like one city. I was just on the internet, you know, backstage between scenes and and in my hotel at night um trying to find I had really wanted to dye um a bra and panty set and this is before I knew about natural dyes um but I just thought it'd be so cool to like experiment again sort of my like messy Mm tie-dye version yeah and I couldn't I found a few silk bras that were not yet dyed they were so expensive Mm -hmm. and I was like you know I don't want to pay all this money and then have to you know, put more into mm-hmm. dyeing sure. it. And I talked to one of the girls in the cast who sews and um, about, you know, what if I found fabric? And ultimately, I just, you know, I don't know. I lost track, moved on. Who knows? Um, but so I was, you know, then fast forward back to like uh, a year or so ago and I was taking these natural dye classes mm-hmm. and um, I was walking home from class one night and I was like, what if I did a bra? <laughs> um, <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Light bulb. <Yeah. laughs> totally. And I I think the next time I went uh, back to, so I'm originally from Buffalo and I went to visit my parents in Buffalo and I told my mom and she like, she got a degree in fashion oh, and wow. in buying mm-hmm. um, FIT. and, you know, yeah, was handy. in that industry. Wow. wow. Yep, yep. FIT. Mm. For a long time. Yeah. Like back in her, you know, back in the day, she was a buyer and, you know, I was so excited to tell her and she was kind of like, uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> That's an idea. And I, I think, I think she just, you know, she knew and knows like it's a hard industry. Right. Um, yeah. And here I am being like, oh my God, I can do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. And, you know, she was kind of like you know what about I remember her saying to you like well what about shirts or like something else you know bras that's really hard all the different shapes yeah. and I mean she's not wrong know, about women. that yeah nope uh, 
I know, I know. And and that is going to be difficult. Like, I'm well aware. I've had many... (laughs) Mark remembers also. I've had, like... Yeah, totally. But, you know, I've I've had many moments where I'm like, do I really, like... It's not too late to change course on this at all. Like, do I really want to do bras? And ultimately, the reason why I want to do it is um, the thing the pandemic has offered me is a lot of time. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've been doing a lot of deep dives in, in a lot of research. And the other cool thing I will say about the pandemic is um, there are a lot of events um, that in normal times I would have never had access to. Mm. Um, talks happening mm-hmm. in London. Online, or, yeah, like webinars you know, and Europe. classes and such. Yeah. Right. Totally. That suddenly it's all online. So it was like I can absolutely attend the webinar, um, you know, with this company based overseas mm-hmm. right. um, and hear what they have to say. And I think that Europe is way ahead of us in sustainability yes. and sustain- sustainability mm-hmm. initiatives. For yes. sure. Yep. Yes. Um, Culturally, even. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yes, yes. Right. Um, so, you know, I was doing all these deep dives. And one of the big issues with uh, with clothing is what happens to it when we're done with yep. it, you know? and right. Landfill. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we can upcycle, recycle. There's some cool technologies in the works mm-hmm. that hopefully will come will scale in the near future um, and provide some more options with with garments at, at end of life. Um, but, you know, right now, if we're looking at upcycling or, you know, donating or whatever, it's like no one really wants to, like, donate their old bra. Yeah. You know, Where do panties go um, to die? Pan- panties, too. <laughs> right, exactly. What a terrible, weird, odd question <laughs> to even think about. Right? Like go? a mountain of old panties <sighs> somewhere How in Mark's sad. backyard. Yeah. I actually... <laughs> Nicker heaven. I, I actually recently saw this blog blog article that was like five things to do with your panties when you're done with them and it was like turn them into a dish rag no i know i know i know no i know no in the age of right? make it into a mask no no <laughs> that's all no, thank you i know i know um but i'm not um, you know, <laughs> for whatever reason, better or worse, I'm like bras for for okay. right now. So, um, but uh, but yeah. So I, you know, I was like, well, if 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 designing with end of life in mind is what's important and what needs to be done, <laughs> like you're, you're just, still stuck on the panties. No, but it sounds like you're still <laughs> oh, designing for dying. like funerals, like the people. <laughs> oh, in the, like- <laughs> I know that's not what you mean, but I get it. Yeah, garment. Sorry, garment <laughs> end yeah. of life. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, that actually makes me think I need to like re reword, reframe <laughs> some of what I'm putting out there. Yeah. That's why we do this. It's why um, we all talk about it. Cause yeah, like, hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Close. Interesting. <laughs> I know what you mean by that, but. Yes. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like if you, if, if landfill is the option and that's not a good option, you know, how can we make something circular, mm. you know, and if, if donating it isn't really an option and 
I mean, I wear my bras well past their shelf life, but technically <laughs> they have a shelf life. Right. Um, you know, how do we sort of let them go without an impact? And so the goal, what I'm really trying to do, and, you know, it remains to be seen, um, what level I'm able to do it at least, you know, like right off the bat, but is to create a garment that is compostable at the end of life. So it means working with natural mm-hmm. fibers, um, working with natural dyes, um, and yeah, and just making something. And the other aspect of this for me too is like when I was looking online for, you know, bras or even just clothes mm-hmm. that are sustainable, um, it was like, you know, the options. I was like, ah, oh, that's it's boring, it's basic. Right. And where's this thing that makes me feel right. fun? Right. That um, looks that like makes me bra. feel special. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know? That looks like art. I mean, some lingerie is definitely right. art. Oh my goodness. For sure. Right. 100%. right. And so it was like, I either get the super unsustainable um, beautiful mm-hmm. version or I get the sustainable but super basic right. version. Um, and I think one of the things I've learned over the years uh, is that if you, you know, if you make things easy for people, they'll yes. they'll yep. do it, whatever yes. it is. That is the truth. Um, but people aren't, they're not going to go out of their way. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, maybe they care about sustainability, but they're not going to buy a bra just because it's sustainable. Right. You know, it's got to be comfortable or it's got to be yes. beautiful. It's got it's it's got to fit their yes. needs. Right. So. It's like a really tall order. Yeah, that, I was just <laughs> going to say, there's a lot know. of fields of education that come into yeah, all of those things. Yeah. So that's, but that has to be interesting for you to have so many different things to research and look into and educate yourself about and get better at. It's a very like um, deep industry. Yeah, a deep a field of study. Sense. Also, it's not mm-hmm. very one. It's not one it dimensional. Is. It has a lot of dimensions to it. No, and I think that's actually in a lot of the research I've been doing. It's like one of the problems with sustainability, and and, and people are starting to get more on board, but there isn't mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. around it. You know, no one can agree. Like the the definition right. for sustainability, and specifically in the fashion industry, is so yeah, broad. Right. It can mean so many right. things. So it's it's hard for people to say what is or isn't. It's hard for consumers to understand what is right. or isn't. Um, and there's a lot of miseducation. So there are. There are a lot of— Also, as with most mm-hmm. things on the inter- internet, yeah. very difficult to know what to believe. It's also very difficult to figure out if a company is being truthful with you or if they're generating their own research totally. to pr- promote their own products. and right. You know, it's hard to, it takes it so much work yeah, to and that sort of thing out. It does. And and so again, I, my goal, you know, is, is to make something that is beautiful and, and that someone can put on and feel, you know, sexy, feel, um, powerful, yeah, yeah. you know, feel whatever it is that makes them feel, um, you know, like a strong empowered individual um but but also to to educate people mm-hmm. um and to be you know to and for me what's interesting too is like coming from the dance world there's such this um we all have these wonderful complexes with perfectionism <laughs> um <laughs> indeed <laughs> and oh yeah um 
And so what's even really interesting for me is is acknowledging that, you know, I'm one person doing undertaking this giant task and what I bring to market at least even initially might not be um you know what I envision or what I could bring to market in like five right. more years. It'll be a process. I, I'm successful mm-hmm, with this right. endeavor. Right. And acknowledging that and and knowing that, you know, everything with sustainability is a yes. process and and it's not about perfection, you know, and I think I think sometimes people, myself included, can get overwhelmed with it because it is such this like it's it's this big thing. Climate change is this like giant mm-hmm. existential crisis mm-hmm. and it just feels too big and too far away. Um, but it's like if we can break it down um, and no, like you buying a compostable bra isn't going to stop climate change. But yeah, it's, but it's one piece. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. So, I don't know. And I think for me, it it feels one of the things I, especially having theater and dance being taken away, like, I think it was a little bit of a kick in the ass, too. Like, I, you know, I think what we do as, as theater performers is important, mm-hmm. and it is very necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, the stories we tell, the escape we give people, um, the life experiences that we can show people that are outside of their own. I think all that stuff is so vital. Um, And and missed. Yeah. But like having that, yeah. (laughs) But like having that taken away from me, um, I was just feeling really helpless and, you know, trying to figure out how I could sort of authentically add to the world right now. Um, And... It just, I don't know, it sort of seemed like all of these different things that I had been thinking about and kind of researching on the side and experimenting with were sort of coming together. And all of a sudden I had all this time mm. and I don't do well mentally a project. without a Some project. Death. Yep, I hear <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, so, you know, I was like, well, now's yeah. the time. So w- did you start working on this before you... You're in South Carolina now at your grandparents' house, right? When yeah. did you make the yeah. move from New York to there? And how did that affect your project with the uh, compostable bras? Yeah. Um, so I was in New York um, from the beginning of, of quarantine mm-hmm. until end of July. And it's so funny because um, at the beginning of quarantine, my, my parents were like, why don't you come to Buffalo? You know, like I live in a tiny, it's, I love my studio, but I live in a tiny studio. They were like, you know, why don't you come here? You'll have space. And things were still so unknown. And I was like, no, I need Mm -hmm. to stay here in New York. Like, this is my home. I'm comfortable here. Like, this is where I want to be. It felt overwhelming for me to leave. Fast forward to four months in my tiny studio. (laughs) And like probably legitimately locked down. I got to go. New York was really fiercely locked down for months also. Yeah. It was crazy. I live I live near Brooklyn Bridge Park, which is really beautiful. And I was taking, you know, we were allowed to go out for solo exercise mm-hmm. and essential activities, which was basically like getting food or going to the doctors. But yeah, it was it was bizarre. Yeah. Um and every every other day or so I was taking myself for long walks in Brooklyn Bridge Park. Um and it was so odd. It was actually very cool because, you know, 
there were only ever like a handful of other people in the oh. park. And it's this place that, you know, it has these iconic skyline views and, you know, it's normally packed with people. And it was sort of nice in a weird yeah. way. You know, yeah. you're like, I'm in, like, I sort of felt like it was right. my park. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was, you know, it was, yeah, it was a very, it was, it was weird. Um, and yeah, so like four months later, I was like, I, I think I got to go. Mm. But I was, I was filling my days. Um, you know, I had already started to talk about this project and start to navigate maybe how I would move forward with it. Um, and as the pandemic happened, it gave me time to start to look into things more. And I actually found a program that I'm that, that I'm in right now that's sort of helping me on my process in terms of just mm. like starting a brand. Oh, that's awesome. Um, which is really has been, yeah, really great. But um yeah, it, you know, at the beginning of things I was just yeah, in Zoom Zoom mm. webinars all day. Like the rest um, of the nation, you basically. Know, <laughs> in one way or another. Yeah, yeah. Like taking in yeah, just taking in information listening to people in the fashion industry, listening to entrepreneurs of any kind, listening to um, things from the world of sustainability and science. And, uh, and yeah, so I'd, I'd started working on things while I was still in New York. Um, and then ultimately what led me down to South Carolina, too, is that I have a boyfriend ah. who lived in California. Um, and he was in New York City I don't know, two, three weeks before things oh, kind of tumbled wow. down. And we, you know, we were like, all right, well, you know, like, see you soon. See you in a few weeks. And then all this oh, happened. Wow. And so, you know, we hadn't seen each oh, other man. in like five months. Um, And we were trying to figure out how to come together. Mm. And, you know, we both live in studios and we were like, well, that's not. Speaking <laughs> that's of not sustainability, that is not. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> A sustainable situation. <laughs> no, not at all. Yes. Like I love the guy, but not at all. <laughs> um, and yeah, and my grandparents uh, have a house down in South Carolina. Um, and at the time, my grandmother was in it, but she was sort of itching to get mm. back to Buffalo. Mm. Um, and graciously was like, you know, if you guys want to come live down here. Uh, you can. So, oh, great. Um, I rented a car. Yeah. And I drove, uh, you know, the 13 hours or whatever it is over the course of two days, complete with, you know, my like COVID mm. car pack. <laughs> and, you know, um, and about two weeks later, he drove across the country. Wow. wow. Um, and so, yeah, so we've been down here, which is really nice because we have space, we have nature, right. um, and it for me has actually been a really great place right. to like dive in um, and and really work on this. And even just with like my own dye experiments, I have a bigger kitchen, okay. right? Um, More space for that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so That's I read great. your I read through your blog your um, so her company Mickey's company is called Petal and Ash. Um, and great name. Yeah, great it's name. a great name. And you have, you have an online um, blog slash website to write about what your process is. Yeah. And I was yeah. really struck by your very first article because I felt, 
like there was a sense of um, you pushing back at people that wanted you to stay in your lane, if that's a way to, mm. where you mm-hmm. have a very successful yeah, career yeah. as an artist in one form and you are pivoting into, into a form, which, by the way, also for anyone who's a ballerina out there, like that is part of the process of being a ballerina is knowing that you have a second career ahead of you <laughs> because there is a shelf life right, to that right. particular job. And even if you may want to do it, you may not be able to or however, you know, that works. So it makes total sense that you would be getting into something else. And yet the article felt a little bit like you were having to justify your interest in this particularly did that is that how that how that felt or was I reading into it yeah no um it 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 was interesting because I you know I started I started this program which has been fantastic for me in so many ways because it's it's given me a lot of guidance and and goalposts to hit and, you know, direction in terms of what to do and how to do it. Um, and I have a mentor and I'm a part of a mentee That's group. Awesome. And, right. I, you know, I have support. Um, yeah. And I I think it was sort of twofold. It was It was exactly what you said. And then it was also me having this, like, my own oh. imposter syndrome um, of I don't belong in this world. Um, and I was trying to, um, like, in the very early days of reaching out to people, and and not that it was even relevant for some of my conversations, but, you know, I didn't want anyone to know that I was a dancer um, because what business would I have then right. in, in their no, industry, I totally understand right? That. Not, yep. it, it wasn't mine. And then on the flip side, I was sort of like afraid to tell people, my friends, my family about what I was doing because I was like, they're going to think I'm crazy. They're also going to think, what business do I have doing this thing, right? It was like, whatever side of the coin, (laughs) I was just afraid that, you know, people were going to, yeah, like see through me, you know? Um, And I... I had an interesting conversation with a friend and she was like, you know, I think you need to sort of use all of your resources and 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 part of what makes, you know, it's like it's like the same thing they tell you when you go into an audition room. Like there's only one of you, don't right. hide you, you know, right. you're, you're unique. But it was like that that sort of truth, like, um, this is your story. Don't don't hide from it, you know? Um and it's interesting, too, because I was watching this Zoom <laughs> webinar uh, right. last Friday with this brilliant natural dyer. I mean, her stuff is just stunning. And she's about to have pieces in the Smithsonian. Wow. Um, she was on Project Runway, like really fantastic, accomplished woman. And she, you know was talking about how sometimes she doesn't feel like she knows what she's doing and she's just kind of experimenting and figuring it out. And to that out. we would say, yep. because she's an artist, you know, that is why you, you go. feel that way. <laughs> it just comes, yes. like self-doubt, right, I think, right. just comes with the right. job title. Yep. It drives you. Totally. So I think, you know, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that article 
or that blog entry for me was like, it felt very freeing and it, and it was sort of like, you know, I wish it hasn't taken this long for me in my own life to just like not right. give a fuck. <laughs> it's acquired like, though. It's You know, to, to just sort of say like, yes. it, it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, you know, yeah, I've had a, a career as a professional dancer. Um, the world is upside down. Mm-hmm. I have this other interest. Yep. I'm passionate about it. Um, I totally nope. can do it. There's no reason I can't. Yes. Um, and I'm going Preach. to. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what that was Does, for me. Um, yeah. Is that, that? Um, yeah. I mean, you've been a ballerina and a dancer from a very young age, right? So is, is there a difference yeah. in the way yeah. in the artistic... Uh, I don't know if fulfillment is exactly the right word, but the, the way that you feel as a dancer and the, the ways that that feeds you, do you have a similar sense of that in this business, this new project? Um, yes and no. Um, there's a part of me as a dancer that's always mm-hmm. been very analytical. Um, you know, I not for Phantom, but for other shows, I've been the dance captain. You know, I've been a, re- a rehearsal director, an associate choreographer. Um, I, I I love being in the rehearsal room. I love that, mm-hmm. like, breaking things down, mm-hmm. cleaning mm-hmm. things. Um, Seeing the pieces come you know, together. The structure. A larger, a larger view uh-huh. and not just, like, yeah. a singular... And- a singular view, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, like it's not just about like what I'm doing, right. but like what's the big picture right. and how does it all fit together. And um, so what's cool about this is that it's, you know, I don't remember who said this, but someone who I was listening to, you know, said the cool thing about being an entrepreneur, you know, it's it's hard. Uh, and it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's Wait. one thing I'm definitely like, oh God, I don't know <laughs> if you if had I any done, idea. Done this I if feel, I had known. I feel you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> right, here. right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Embarking in our what? own little no. new project. So, yes, we totally. feel you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you have this great idea. Mm-hmm. You're just going right. to do it. No, no problem. No, no problem. And then you get into it and you're like, yep. Oh shit! Um, we love you, totally. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Everything right? you do is all um, right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's you know, there's this part that's really cool because I'm doing mm-hmm. something different every day, and I'm using my brain in these really interesting mm-hmm. ways and solving problems, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but still in a creative manner. Um, but then I get to, you know, go in the kitchen and like put flowers on fabric. Right. It's playtime too. <laughs> you know, like, it's like analytical, um, but it's also fun. Yeah, it sounds like. totally. Mm. Yeah, and like put some music on and pour a glass of wine and, you know, and is, exactly. So, but it is, you know. Is, sorry, I just interrupt. Is there anything you're doing? Because I feel like I'm I'm going through the same thing that you're going through with the imposter syndrome of like I get <laughs> asked constantly like oh how long have you been working for this photography company and I want to be like um, I've only done this for two months like <laughs> I've been doing my other job for 15 years but that job doesn't exist right now yeah what, other people that are going through the same um, uh, imposter syndrome of like the new task the new undertaking the mm-hmm. new thing that they're transition. doing transition. Yeah, the transition. Yeah. 
is there anything seeing as how you you've you're like more than halfway there you're like you're you're at the approach you're you're at the uh what do they call it? The event horizon of like, mm-hmm. you will now have, you will now be a business owner. You will now have a business. Oh, thank and when you. people ask you what thank you're you. doing, it's yeah. you're like, I, I make this stuff. You're not like, I am, I'm, I'm a ballerina and I also do this thing. You're like, this is what I do for a living. Is right, there right, any, right. is there any thing you can tell someone like who's going through the same thing? Uh, what they could do or what they could think or mantras or things like that, that will help them with that same kind of journey that you like, was there anything that particularly uh, helped you in that journey of like going from yeah. dramatically different things? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so funny as you ask that, because on the one hand, my brain's going, I'm not qualified to give advice. <laughs> like, I, you know, like, <laughs> so much resistance everywhere. All around. <laughs> like, yep. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't give advice on this, but it, but you know, the fact of the matter is like, I do know what I'm doing, you know? Um, I have, I'm I'm like I'm where I'm at, but I still have an incredible base of knowledge. You mm-hmm. know, that's what has led me mm-hmm. to this point. Um, you know, so it, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do think it's a constant battle. I think advice that was given to me that I think for me has sort of been the thing that has helped me jump over that hurdle is to talk about it, to tell people. Mm. Um, because mm. if you if you tell people you sort of then have to hold yourself accountable, mm. right? You know, because it's like if you if you s- tell the world, hey, I'm doing this thing, um, you have to then do – well, you don't have to. But it, it sort of – it makes the reality of it, you know, that much more Holds present. Holds you accountable of, to your ideas. Right. right? Redefines you right. also like, in a particular – in people's – reframes the way that people look at you or what they think you can do. Yeah. Exactly. And so if you, I mean, I I literally, you know, imposter syndrome or not, just, you know, I was like, okay, well, here we go. You know, I am a founder and a creative director. Um, Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to lie. I do still feel... you know, like, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not, am I that? Yeah. I'm not that. You are. But like, I, I am, I'm doing it. And, and, you know, and I think also this, um, you know, the reality of, of entrepreneurship is kind of grim, you know, just if you, if you look at the statistics speaking nothing to what I'm doing, you know, just the hard facts are like most businesses fail. Um, but in a way, I feel like that's been a little bit freeing. Mm. Um, I mean, don't get me mm. wrong. It's still scary. You know, like I'm I'm on unemployment right now. You know, I don't really, I, I, I'm booking a voiceover gig here and there, but, you know, my income mm-hmm. is spotty at best, you know, and yet here I am trying to embark on this new endeavor and I'm going to pull, you know, some savings, you know, out of retirement to like, like that's insane, you know. Um, but But at the same point, you know, I feel passionate about it and and mm-hmm. even if ultimately this venture doesn't succeed or succeed in the way that I envision it to I know I will have learned so much that will only like forward my journey yeah. and I'm not saying that makes it easy <laughs> I'm f- no. far from it but I don't know I just think sort of like knowing the facts and 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 then just sort of yeah like announcing to the world Hey, I'm doing this. 
Yeah. It just makes it yes. real. I don't know. Yeah. And I think yes. it maybe also for you. helps you accept, like the more often you say, I am a co-founder, I am a founder, I am a, a boss of a company, I'm an entrepreneur. The more you say those words, the easier they get to right, say, right. right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's very strange the first the couple first of times think- you say them and then it starts yes. to come <laughs> a little more naturally as you talk about it more because it becomes more real. Totally. You know? And I, yeah. And I think having these conversations, yes. you know, because you also start to realize that you're not alone in those feelings. Um, and I think that also kind of, you know, I think when you see people who are in your mind, it's like, oh, they're really doing it, you know? And then you hear that they're dealing with the same, you know, I mean, I remember doing a show and, and, and talking to an actor who, you know, has been in the business for forever um, and has a career I could only dream of, you know? And he was like, yeah, man, I still get so nervous before I go out on stage every night. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, huh, you too? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, that comes back to something Kathleen says, which is the, the, the doubt is part of what makes you an artist. It is, it is a thing you have to yes. fight against. Yeah. So it gives you something to overcome. Yeah. You are the, you are going to be your biggest critic. You are going to have to try to listen and then you're going to have to try to ignore the critics. Like you're going to have to just live <laughs> yeah. in that weird balance of paying some attention and not paying too much attention to the people that, yeah. you know. Which I think is the, that's the hardest mm-hmm. part. I yeah, think. always. You know, it's but no matter what yep. the medium is, no matter where they are in their career, where we are in our careers as artists, that resistance is ever present. That's mm-hmm. what I, the, one of my favorite books about any of all of what we're talking about around right now is, and maybe you've read it, is Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art, mm-hmm. which wow. is all about what do you do with resistance? Mm-hmm. Resistance that you introduce to your own world, resistance that's external. Hmm. resistance to the whole imposter syndrome and all of that, but it's just part and parcel of being Mm -hmm. a creative person. Which Um, is so... So I think... (laughs) Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so if if you're feeling that resistance, it it partly means that you're you're creating art. (laughs) Yeah. It's It's just so interesting though, you know, like the reality that that's part of the experience. Um, Mm. Because I, well, you know, my mom told me something a long time ago, which was basically, you know, sort of whatever you're whatever your strength is, is also your weakness. Mm. Um, Mm. And I think that's so true. Um, So that's just, I think that's interesting what you say because, you know, it's like this thing that drives you and ultimately drives you to create great things, Mm. beautiful things, uh, provoking things, you know, whatever, is also the same thing that sort of terrifies you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, for sure. Well, not for nothing, but I will say that being a professional ballerina is one of the hardest artistic live event tasks <laughs> that exist, I think. It's one of the most, um, it requires the most discipline and dedication. You have to start at a young age. You have to be very persistent. Like it's, mm-hmm. so if you can do those things, I don't have any doubt that you're going to figure this out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I will say in a lot of ways, this, this, 
I don't want to say this feels easy because it feels far from easy. Right. Um, <laughs> but there is this element to it that's like, oh, you just like you just do the right. thing. You know, like you just yeah. you just do it. You send the email, you you write the blog, you, you know, do the and next thing. Again, no, I'm not trying to simplify but that's it. How this it is, would, that's right. How you build this is something. so this you do the yeah. next thing. Yeah. 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 And it, I mean, my body is definitely <laughs> a lot on a daily basis, I think, thanking me right now. It's like, oh, all we're going to do is just a yoga class? Amazing. Cool. <laughs> Fantastic. How's your hip? It's Have good. Yeah, it's good. 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 <laughs> yeah. Good. My husband's having trouble with a hip right now, so I, I kind of oh, ta- feel yeah. that. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. major. He has not been a ballerina for most of his right. life, though, so. Yeah, on one hand, it's Can like my a- body is, you know, so young and, and you know, nimble. And then on the other hand, it's like 80 years old. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask a question yeah. uh, just a, from a very personal place? So I, I danced from a very young age. I think I was, my first ballet class was maybe when I was three. And uh, I remember I was in toe shoes, really. Things I, I did not know about Kathleen, and audience. I was not aware I, that she had a background as a ballerina. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I danced, I danced for almost 10 years and then, you know, a number of things happened right around age 12, 13. Um, Most of it was, a lot of it was self, if I look back with self-doubt, but there were also other external things happening financially and other things and just being, I don't know, an adolescent. But I think back about you know, I do know a, f- a handful of people who danced when I was really young who kept going. And it's one of my regrets that I didn't keep dancing. What was it? Did, can you remember a moment where you had to sort of make that choice to go, no, I'm going to keep doing this because mm-hmm. it is such a massive commitment. Yeah. Um, and what was it that made you want to keep doing it when you were a kid? Um... I was, I was very, very certain. Um, and I honestly don't know what it, like, I, I don't think I can pinpoint the sort of element of like the art form that was like, this is why. I just know mm-hmm. that um, the, the pursuit of this thing was so, um, it felt so necessary right. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was mm-hmm. actually really, really young. Um and uh, I think my parents were constantly like, who is this child? Um, <laughs> because I, I basically was like telling them, I, I want to do this thing. I am going to do this thing. Um, and like when I was nine years old, I auditioned for um, a summer program with the National Ballet School of Canada um, and got accepted. And, you know, my parents were like, don't you want to go to summer camp? <laughs> And I was like, no, <laughs> I, I want to go to ballet school for the summer. Yep. Like, wow. I, yep. This is what I have to do. Um, and then at the, at the time, anyways, like I, I wasn't necessarily born with the, the like perfect facilities for dance. I, I really had to work at, mm-hmm. at everything. Um, and somehow at like a young age, I sort of recognized that at the time, the training that was in Buffalo wasn't sort of conducive. I don't know. As I say this, I'm like, how the hell did I realize this <gasps> right. at like 12 <laughs> and 13? But I was like, yep. I, I'm not going to be able to get the training here that I need and I want to be a professional dancer. Um, and I had been 
going to this summer program in Carlisle, Pennsylvania for several years every summer. I was friends. I had wound up in the same level as the kids who were, uh, who lived there and went to the school year round. Mm. And every summer I was like progressing with them and and, and, in the level with them. And so I think I was like, well, I'm doing Mm. something right. Like this is one of the best ballet schools in the country. And so far I'm, I'm kind of like keeping up with these kids Um, Mm -hmm. and basically like as I was getting ready to head into high school, um, I told my parents like, I want to do this and I don't think I can train in Buffalo. Um, Mm. and I think my parents were just sort of so like dumbfounded. (laughs) Um, it's so authoritative and my mom authoritative attitude, you know? Yeah. Yeah, It's like so sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's very impressive. Yeah. 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 Um, and my mom had always wanted to be an actress and was uh, never sort of really, yeah, you know, afforded the opportunity to explore if that was a real avenue for her. Um, mm-hmm. And I think she, you know, I mean, she was sort of my biggest advocate and and the one who sort of that's great within mm-hmm. the family. I think fought for me to uh, to let me right. pursue this path. Um, and. I I went and explored several different boarding schools, um, and ultimately I chose to to go to the same school that I had been spending summers at um, in Carlisle. In Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's called Central mm. Pennsylvania Youth Ballet, and it's produced some of the world's greatest ballerinas. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, and so I, I told my parents I wanted to go there, and I think they explored moving the family there. And ultimately, mm. you know, I have two brothers and, you know, they were, you know, they're three years younger than me. And it was like, you know, my parents didn't feel like it was the healthiest decision to sort of yank them right. out of their situation. And yeah. I was just this like little independent girl that was like, I'm fine. I'll go off. Like, don't, don't and you worry. you were what, yeah, like yeah. 14 <laughs> at this point? See, Thanksgiving. You, it, was, it was high school? 13? 13. 13. Oh my gosh. 13. And you were yeah. like, wow. okay, see you later. Wow. I'll yeah. Be, I'll be gone for months totally. doing this very, very difficult thing. It's going to be great. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, but that's what it takes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I don't, again, I don't really, I don't really know other than it just, it felt like this, I don't know. It just felt very necessary mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and being on stage for me was just, you know, it was like I, it was being on stage. I just felt like nothing else mattered. You know, being on stage just felt mm. like exactly where I was supposed to be. I think that's that for me was always, you know, the end game, which is just interesting because I feel like as I've gotten older, what I cherish more is actually the rehearsal studio and the rehearsal oh, process. The development, oh, the development of a project. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 And I wonder how yeah. much of that huh. in you is informing this new project of yours too, that like love of development and watching things progress yeah. and seeing. Yeah. 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 I bet I can see all those things come together. It's so interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. we like to say here on Artist Care and Feeding that mm-hmm. everything you do is art. I like it, that. I think it depends on how you approach it, but I think whether you're making bras or making dances or painting tennis shoes helping other people <laughs> figure out or painting yeah. tennis, whatever, whatever it is though so, yeah whatever you're doing yeah you're going to be making yeah. art yeah that's so. yeah i mean that's a mm-hmm. it's really inspiring mickey oh thank you thank you yeah. um 
But <laughs> thank you. <laughs> being You're being Thanks in your own little like story. bubble, you know, in these <laughs> weird times, it's uh yeah, it's yeah. it's easy to sort of forget. Um and I guess thank you guys. I feel like I feel jazzed right now. Like I'm like, all right, <laughs> like Mission perfect. accomplished. Human talking to other humans, talking about art and creating, yes. like, let's yes. go. That's exactly why we're doing yeah. this also for that exact same reason. I love that, that like that need right to connect with other people and find out what their experiences have been like this year because there's so many commonalities and then there's so many little individual things, projects people are doing that are so fascinating. So yeah. Right, right. I mean, I think what you guys are doing is super cool. I feel like to catalog all these different stories. Yeah, it's been amazing. Um, We've had such a good week. Yeah. Talking to so many yeah. different people. Yeah, it's have. really fun. This is really yeah. fun. Yeah. Do we, we sometimes do a speed round yeah. at the end. And there, in there is that one question that I have, because you were talking about <laughs> online shopping earlier that I, I feel like I have to ask. Yeah. Mickey. Do you have a few more or minutes? Or do you want to ask her? Yeah, okay, great. I no, do. Kathleen, go ahead. You're the good. I, you're a good host for the speed round. All right. So, s- speed round. Weirdest thing you've bought online since COVID started. Ooh. Oh. Okay. Speed round. Speed round. Um, it's it's not speed <laughs> in the sense that you only have a second. We will not be timing you. <laughs> There's no. <laughs> of all the time. Yeah, sorry. You failed. Um. Oh, that's a good question. I feel like I bought some weird shit. Um, I mean, <laughs> under normal times, I would say a, a gallon. Like, I spent weeks, you know, trying to find alcohol, but like rubbing alcohol. Oh, you know? not drinkable. And, oh, <laughs> like something to work with. I'm like, oh, drizzly.com. No, I had, I had, I did have drinking alcohol. No, I mean, I feel like under under normal circumstances, like scouring the internet for a, a gallon of alcohol is like kind of weird um or maybe not for yeah I don't know but that was like (laughs) I bet it was harder to find right now it was so hard and then someone tried to scam me and it it was a whole thing on Etsy yeah and ultimately I got my money back and then I found a different seller and uh (laughs) but I oh man I spent a lot of hours searching for alcohol on the internet um But again, you know. But not the fun kind. Not the fun kind. Yeah. No, so you like, were drinking um, a lot of the fun kind while looking for the other kind. <laughs> and then being yeah. like, table flip, why is this so hard? <laughs> yeah. And I was literally, I mean, I was getting to the point, actually, this isn't something I bought on the internet, but where like my alcohol wipes, my any like disinfectant wipes mm. were running oh. out. And I was like cutting oh. them into smaller pieces. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to leave the house. Like in a few days, I'm not going to be able to leave the house because I'm not going to be able to disinfect. Um, and a friend of mine had like a quarter can of Clorox wipes left, and so she, <gasps> Black she lived market. in lives in yeah she lives in Queens, and she drove over, and you know we were in our mass standing outside, and like she like threw it to me so we didn't have to get near each other. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, Stories we literally could I not have, imagine nine months oh ago. My God. The amount of time and stress and money that I've spent trying to find, yeah, Clorox wipes. Yeah, yeah. In the last six months, it's just crazy. Like somebody gave me Clorox wipes for my birth. I just turned fifty. <laughs> Happy about birthday! A week and a half ago, and I was like, Thanks, and it was Mickey's birthday you. just a few like days champagne. ago as well. Yeah. Oh, it was another yeah. Libra lady. Happy birthday to you Thank too. you. Libra. Yeah. Um, but there was one day early on when I was, we were cleaning out as 
a lot of us did, mm-hmm. um, the things that we hadn't touched in here. So it was underneath one of the bathrooms that doesn't get used very much, like where it was a catch-all for things. And I reached behind <laughs> the, uh, what's it called? The plumbing. The pipes. What's it called? <clears throat> <laughs> Thank you. Behind <laughs> the pipe. I have no words. Into like where the spiders live. And it was, and I was sort of futzing around and I felt this very familiar <laughs> cylindrical <laughs> object and I pulled it out and it was an entire unopened <laughs> thing of Clorox <laughs> lemon wipes. <laughs> I it was like a scene from um, oh the Lion King where the dancing with the baby in the air like and I was crying. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever in a million years think you'd be so excited no. for Clorox no. wipes? Not one time. Yeah. No. Nope, nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I have a really good friend who's always been obsessive with hand wash and stuff. And, I, and she has a whole drawer of it in her kitchen. And I was always like, oh, my God, you're such a germaphobe. Blah, blah, blah. Ha, ha, ha. She's the smartest person <laughs> on the face of the earth. Here we all are. <laughs> She's the only one who didn't have to go looking through this stuff. Right, so. right. I all know. Right. <sighs> uh, all right. Well, um, let's see. What is, well, speaking of alcohol, <laughs> what is your quarantini of choice? Hmm. Um... I've been kind of boring uh, throughout quarantine, um, but uh, I'm really into hard kombucha. Oh, that yeah. is not an answer we've heard. Are you this. making your own <laughs> hard kombucha? Uh, I live in California, so I'm like, oh, cool. So you're doing it in the vat? Or no, are you doing it? no, I can't make that. No, just buying it. Buying it, it growlers? Is, okay, I'm going to yeah. just be on record. My sister is making kombucha, has made kombucha. Oh, we have mm-hmm. those disgusting blobby aliens <laughs> that known as the mother. The mother. The yeah. mother. And they Ew. were floating around <laughs> in the vat of kombucha until they have now been preserved like pig embryos or something in a glass jar that just sits on the countertop. I cannot. That's gross. That's gross. The end. No. I cannot. No. That's it. Mark was talking about his girlfriend feeding her uh, bread starter. Oh, Mm. sourdough. Sourdough bread starter. Mm. And I was like, that's kind of like having a, I don't know. Indeed. I'm not sure. Some sort of being that you should name in your house. But yeah, the mother and the camp. Oh. Mm, no. <laughs> so, See, so are you making your, you're, you're not making no, your No, I buy it at the store. It. And so you don't deal with the mother. Okay. You just, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so to, because kombucha has alcohol in it already, usually just trace amounts. Right. And right. in certain places, they won't sell it to you unless you have, unless you're over 21. California, I think is like that oh, in certain wild. regards. Um, but do you add alcohol to yours? No, you or, can you can buy kombucha that's like specifically it's like hard kombucha. So it's like you know, yeah, it's like right. when you buy regular kombucha, I don't know what the alcohol content is, but yeah, it's like you know, it's trace, it's trace. It's very, yeah. very low. So yeah, this is, when you buy hard kombucha, it's anywhere from like I don't know, four to seven percent. Right, mm. it's like a craft beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, Mark. There you go, yeah. and better for you. But it has that great like stingy mm-hmm. vinegar taste to it. That- <laughs> Some people Bubble, really bubbly. love. I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into weird drinks though too. Yeah. Like I love matcha and my boyfriend's always like, mm. that tastes like dirt. Like it tastes like the earth. you're drinking the earth. And I'm like, it's so good. <laughs> so I also. Well, you're obviously very healthy and fit. So it's something <laughs> I do really like Fernet too. That's like a really weird and random oh, uh-huh. uh, alcohol. And I'm like, oh, it's so good. And he's like, Fernet? yeah, he's like, if you like drinking cough mm-hmm. syrup. 
And I'm like, no, it's like bitter and good. It's bitter. Yeah. Um, it's like an app, like it's in that family of like Aperol yeah. and others. Oh, like Campari. So it's a Campari. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I had it for the that first time family. in, in oh. Argentina and like uh, Fernet and Coke is like a really popular drink there. Um, I mean, hmm. that's a reasonable combination to also cut matcha. the sweetness yeah. and the mate. bitterness. Mate, mate. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Huh. yeah. Right. Uh, let's see one last one. Uh, a music one. Have you rediscovered any music that you loved when you were younger that you hadn't thought about in years, and suddenly you're like, I must listen to the entire. <laughs> yes. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever soundtrack <laughs> for me, it was Fiona Apple. Like I'd kind of forgotten, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh my god, she's brilliant!" That's all I listened to for like a month. So I'm gonna expose myself as such a big music theater nerd right now. Um, <laughs> but we love I, that. It's okay. uh, this is a safe space, yeah. Vicky. Um, You're all right. But I, I love Rent. I love Rent so much. Rent. And I know some people, it's like you love it or you hate Classic. it. But um, for me, when I was a teenager, like <laughs> Rent was everything. And, yeah. you know, like as a teenager, it was just, it was so raw. And and it talked about all these things that felt, you know, so interesting. And and, uh, and I just, yeah, I, I love, I mean, I saw the show many a times um in New York mm. on tour uh you know and um I hadn't really listened to it you know in years um and I had a lot of late nights during quarantine uh where my neighbors I'm sure they loved me where I was like blasting <laughs> rent and like having a sing along yeah <laughs> yep so- Hey, whatever gets you through, uh, yeah. especially that time period. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. It's going to make me go back and listen to the soundtrack now that I haven't thought about in a million years. Right? Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Kaylin? Indeed. Yeah, so our final question of the podcast is always mine, and that is, what are you looking forward to next week or this week or the weekend? Oh, um... That's a good question. I think like I haven't been on my bike in a minute um, since mm. I, I mm. tried. I'm trying to bike a lot down here and I haven't been on my bike in a minute. Um, and I love bicycle, right? Yeah. Mar- bicycle. Mark thinks that you're going to be wearing black Velocipan. leather and no. yes. <laughs> Dri- no, driving Velocipan. your Harley. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe that'll be the next thing I take on. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I, I, um, there's all these really cool bike paths um, here, and I love coming down here where my grandparents have this house. has always been really special to me because it, it was always the place where I came to visit my grandparents. Um, mm-hmm. And But it's also this, like, really beautiful um, ecosystem and environment down here. Like, it never—I always feel like when I'm, when I'm driving here, it's like once you— you enter, we're on an island, and it's like once you enter the island, I feel like we're in Africa or something. Like just, Mm. there's the ocean, there's a river, there's lagoons, there's alligators, there's deer, Mm -hmm. there's bobcats. Where are you? I'm on one of the barrier islands. No, that's the Carolinas. Yeah. The the barrier islands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just, biking the island is just always really, it feels like um, very freeing, and and it's like, Mm. you know, pop some music on my headphones 
and uh, you know, just rent, rent. maybe rent, maybe rent, possibly, maybe, maybe. possibly. Maybe. I don't know if that's always like the biking soundtrack, <laughs> but um, maybe a little Fiona. Yeah, Apple. Fiona Apple. That that could definitely be the biking soundtrack. Yeah, go for a bike ride. So I think that's probably what I'm looking forward to coming up. That's great. That is an amazing thing. Yeah. Well, my dear, I am so glad that we did this. This was so much fun. And I am so excited for you with this new project. Thank you. I you you're launching next year, right? Is that what you have? 2021? That's the goal. I mean, ultimately, I feel like, you know, things with uh the way, you know, just the way the pandemic has changed things for both the worse and the better, you know, like um Mm -hmm. and so, you know. That's that's the goal I want to try to hang on to. I think it's realistic. Um, and, you know, Good. hopefully um, I'll be able to yeah. sort of, whether it's remotely or once I'm back in New York, kind of move along that trajectory. Well, perfect. We're gonna s- well, let us know. Yeah, keep us in touch because we would love to catch back up with you that. around the time that you're going to like, yep. yeah. And I want to hear more about how you developed it and yeah. where you're headed. I'll be real yeah. curious. Yeah. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah, that'll be a you fun. guys are awesome. <laughs> Yay. So much, I love honey. what you're Yay. doing. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week on the Artist Care and Feeding podcast. If you want to learn more about the artists featured on the show, you can visit our website, artistcareandfeeding.com, where there are links to their socials, our socials, links to some of their work, and most importantly, a tip jar for individual artists so you can help feed the artists. We want to thank our producer, Mark Rivett, Martin Hanlon, who composed the theme music you hear throughout the show, and Kurt Leitner, our wonderful artist friend over there in Sweden who created the artwork for Artist Care and Feeding. See you next time.